Hello everybody and welcome to Brubagoon, you will not get there on a road bike. Even if today probably we're gonna talk about road bikes more than anything else. I remember once my friend Corey told me, I love mountain passes, alpine passes on a road bike. They are beautiful, they are awesome, they are gorgeous. Until a car arrives. Fortunately, we were super lucky and there were not so many cars during the Inferno race, the Bicyclet Inferno race. And we're going to talk about that, not we're going to talk, of course, we're not going to talk about cars on mountain passes, but we're going to talk about uh, a debrief, let's say a commentary episode on the event, because we did already a presentation a few weeks ago. Last week was the live episode from the race itself. And today we sat down with Constantine to talk about highlights, lowlights, good points, bad points, and what is going to be changing for next year. Listen to that and you will let me know what you think. There's going to be also a couple of call to actions for you. First of all, we need to make the full presentation of the podcast. First, then everything else. Komoot. Thanks a lot for being such a great partner for this podcast. We really love to have you here. And also we really love to have Komoot in all our smartphones. Especially now with the trail view where we can really check from the users directly how good or not is that trail that we're going to do with our gravel ride or with our mountain bike or maybe also with our road bike. Who knows? Thanks, Komoot, for being part of this podcast. And also remember, if you want to uh, get take advantage of an extra free region during the registration, go on komoot.com slash G, like Greenland, and there put the code BROOM. Then you can get all the premium features for another extra region. Thanks a lot as well to BKGs and to you people that are keep on saying COVID during our conversation because now, yes, the COVID jar is quite full. And uh, that's super nice because at the end of the season, we are going to give all this money to BKGs, the charity in Berlin who teaches women refugees how to ride a bike. Last thing, if you want, down there below, there are two ways how you can support this podcast. The easiest one is subscribe, rate, or comment on any of your platforms there around so that actually these episodes can climb up some of the charts. And the second way, down in the description below, you're going to find the coffee link where you can pay me a coffee and keep this podcast as independent as possible to tell these amazing stories that I keep on telling you. Now it has been five seasons. Before kicking off the conversation with Constantine, there is a little uh, communication that I need to give you on August 20th, next week. Finally, after two years of postponements, my girlfriend and I, Marcia and I, we're gonna get married. When we planned everything, something uh, things were a bit different. Now, of course they were, uh, but now things are finally right to the point. So we're getting married, and so I think I'm going to take a bit of time for organizing the last details and also celebrate properly. We will see each other, we will talk again in a few weeks. I'm going to let you know what is going on and how it's going to happen during all my posting on social media. I would say that probably everything is going to be back on track at the beginning of October for the last episodes of the season, plus as well some mini-series that I know you're waiting for, plus another couple of projects that are really nice. We're going to end up the season at the end of this year, this time, and then we're going to see what's coming with 2023. But for now, I'm going to take a break since this episode until probably the beginning of October. Keep tight, and if I miss you, you know 
no, the other way around, because I'm going to miss you for sure. But if you miss the broom wagon, you know that you're going to have a lot of episodes here and there that you can listen. I think that I recorded in total of my uh, broom wagon history around 220 episodes. There is a lot of content that you can catch up with. So probably these few weeks are going to be a good starting point. That said, I'm going to kick off the conversation with Constantine from now. Hi there, another live episode then, but this is a bit different. What do you think, Constantine? Yeah, I think it's the first time I'm doing a podcast in person, so I kind of have to get used to not to be far or close or so to the microphone. That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm adjusting your mic. I'm adjusting your volumes. because yeah, I have to stay still for the next two hours now? More or less, more or less. Yes, yes, yes. So let me push another couple of buttons. No, that's the one that I need to push. No, yeah, it's going to be quite interesting also because we are going to chitty chat and talk about our, not last weekend, the weekend before last one. Ten days the, ago. Yes, yeah. ten days ago, where we were the both of us at the Inferno race. And I mean, for the first time, we shared a car for three days, I would say, yeah. before we're so actually we, had a we lot did of something chatting similar. already on that weekend. So um, let's see if the magic we is going to keep like this. 30 hours in the car together <laughs> yeah i would say so i would say so mm. i would say that actually we didn't drive back together otherwise it would have been even probably 50 hours yeah. how long did it take for you to come back um i had an interesting drive back um as you might remember from the weekend the mm-hmm. car was on the verge of breaking down so um i had no air conditioning and not really any speeds above 80 or 85 kilometers per also hour on the, the way highway. back. Um, so driving 650 kilometers with all the windows open on the right lane of a French highway is an interesting experience. So I think I was back at my place around midnight. Oh, wow. I'm more or less the same yeah. day that I arrived back anyways. But uh, yeah, I mean, Geneva, Zurich, it was also kind of a long trip. And I actually mm-hmm. thought, okay, I'm going to sleep. But... Then I actually shared the train with Rafael and uh, we talked for the whole time. He was super excited, by the way, like everybody, yeah. I think. Yeah, in, in general, it seems that most of the participants this year were very happy with the Inferno race. There were a few who had um, some issues with um, health issues, some people who had come back from a you can um, say that. COVID infection exactly. um, yeah. previously. So and one participant who had a knee injury which was causing her a lot of trouble especially on the second day but even she enjoyed the time she then had in the broom wagon um, yes you're talking about measuring right yeah yeah so she joined um bernard and joe in the different broom wagons um on the day and seemed she had a good time still so in total no one got injured during the race we had no accidents that's already the first most important success and also otherwise the feedback was quite positive this year that's great so to give a bit of context because you're going to hear some background noise and stuff we are sitting in a cafe by the way we are here at the yeah at the Kraftwerk but not the Kraftwerk the one of the uh, how would you call it electric electronic band not even the one in Berlin pretty famous but this is still super quite nice and cute mm-hmm. we are at the Kraftwerk here in Zurich and that is also uh, the place where you can find the podcast tower of the of this association of podcasting here in Zurich I decided to come here together with Constantine because of the podcast cool situation but also because it's super lovely and coffee was good yeah or it's still good I still have a uh, yeah, yeah, actually mine. I drank it in a couple of sips <laughs> and kind of getting really caffeine addicted lately 
I mean, it's, don't sleep so much with the preparation mm. of the wedding and everything. It's yeah, yeah. a bit of a mess. Uh, but actually, yeah, thanks Kraftwerk also for having us here. And yeah, the idea was actually to meet here in uh, in Zurich just because I mean I think that you needed a bit more of riding after the inferno of checking everybody else out there riding and you didn't ride. We're gonna talk about that as well. And uh, you came here with the bike from Bern or more or less from yeah. there. Yeah, burn plus a few loops added on the way. So we had a 155-kilometer ride yesterday afternoon, which was also nice, just um, headwind 30 kilometers all the way. So um, I think I had my highest average watts of all the rides I've done outdoors, but I wasn't going very fast either. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> no, but yeah, so we decided actually to meet here in this lovely place and outside because it's time to be still outside uh, to have a chitty chat I mean uh, I don't want to be super technical on saying that this is going to be kind of a debrief on uh, how the Inferno race was mm. our feelings and yeah we're going to have this lovely conversation here drinking another couple of coffees probably mm. at least for myself I'm addicted as I was saying yeah there's not really too much coffee I think at least not for Alzheimer prevention from what I read um, in the Guardian recently oh what did they say they made a study that um, essentially, they didn't find anyone who was regularly drinking more than 12 coffees per day. But um, up to there, it seems that the more coffee you drink, the less likely you're getting Alzheimer later in life. Um, okay. It seems to be a almost linear connection. <laughs> oh, so that's a good thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm already forgetting enough at 34, so... Um, <laughs> Don't tell me. Yeah. Don't tell me. Coffee is important. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And actually, I started understanding that I'm getting really into the... Um, road cycling or in general cyclist life i never order i mean it has been probably two years that i've not been ordering one coffee or one express and one espresso i order or of course like this a cappuccino with oatmeal or a double espresso nothing less than double espresso yeah we also had quite a few of them um on the inferno race Oof. i mean i remember that a couple of times i was almost falling asleep let's start talking about the inferno race Tell me a bit of your feeling. I mean, maybe we can start from uh, from the beginning. Uh, first time, actually, uh, I mean, this was pr the last edition and probably there were actually something that happens and uh, also some people that could not come. But how were the feelings at the beginning registration day, even before that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it was also a bit of a special year. I have done the Inferno race myself as a rider in 2020 and I was supposed to do it last year then broke a leg then yeah. was supposed to do it this year my partner got COVID so um, but I, this year was the first year where I had taken over a big chunk of the organization previously as well because um, Basile who had done it from the side of Bicyclet before became father um, quite recently and didn't have a lot of time because of that and then also for Bicyclet the especially the rental business this year had picked up. So I ended up doing a lot more than I had in the years before, essentially everything for the race organization except for the accommodations. So I was quite, um, yeah, how to say, um, excited to see it start, but also a bit worried that some of the things I had organized might not turn out that well. Um, for example, the jerseys um, were the first time I ever designed a piece of clothing and they arrived only the day before and I had no idea how they would actually look in real life. Spoiler, they look awesome. Yeah, it, at least each time I saw someone wearing them on the bike, I thought like this turned out quite okay, but so there was a lot of nervousness on my side before and then we had changed a lot of small details. Also, the briefing for the first time was not in a restaurant, but we had rented an event space in Ansi and 
organized with Ophir a very nice dinner, but that's also something I hadn't seen before and um, or hadn't tried before. So there was a lot of nervousness going on and then actually seeing it all to come together at the briefing was quite a nice moment. And um, in the end, we are all quite happy how it turned out from the side of Bicyclet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, talking about actually the first day then, it was the... No, let's start actually one step back. So you were the first time that we were so involved in the organization side, right? Yeah. So it meant that you have to take care about a lot of aspects and also partnership and also everything. Everything mm. apart from the accommodation, you said. More or less, yeah. And I didn't do the budgeting. That's also um, That's good. on, on um, Bicyclet side. That's um, Basile and Thomas as well who have been doing that. And um, it, I, I started two years ago working for Bicyclet um, on a paid-in bike parts basis and normally I'm doing most of their social media and photography for them and organize some longer rides but through that then this year also came a lot more marketing and um, preparation for the Inferno with all the partnerships as you mentioned but also with preparing the roadbook, um, trying um, keeping in touch with a lot of the participants before especially as they are becoming luckily more and more international so it's not enough to put all the information out only in French anymore. There's teams from Germany. There was a team from the UK who couldn't make it in the end because they both got COVID the week of the race. But yeah. um, it's becoming more and more international. So um, we also have to adapt the communication into English. And um, if someone had questions in German, I would, of course, take their call as well and mm -hmm. so on. Yeah. But talking about this, talking about the organization and everything, what do you think, you talked already about the jersey, but what do you think was actually a thing that gave you a bit more of that feeling of saying, okay, mm, it came out really good. I'm super happy with that. Mm. I think it's mostly getting the feedback from the participants who have done it more than once. We had mm. some riders who have done all the editions. We had some who did the... Um, first real edition um, not the zero edition as a tryout but in 2020 and who came back this year and said that it was going much better than um, the first time they had done the race um, we had changed some things about where the stages would finish for example we finished the race in Monton for this year um, because it's much easier to cycle everybody in there. was super happy for that yeah and um, it was good to see that a lot of the changes we had made from the last year to this year, the new briefing space, the new food at the briefing, the new um, stage villages, um, Guillestre instead of Arvieux and Montau instead of Nice, that everyone is actually happy with our changes. No, yeah, that's uh, this was great actually and yeah, people are sorry but the fluff is not here so some wind is going to arrive also. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, I saw actually everybody really happy and people that were coming over and over are actually uh, checking out and see that the changes were done in a proper way first and for improving. Mm -hmm. And for example, just the moving, for example, inside of Manton, basically we dropped the bikes into the cellar or whatever, into the space where they were keeping the bikes and then we can walk around to have a beer, for example, at the end. Or yeah, at the walk beginning. Walk to the beach. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Walk around, walk to the beach, walk into, get a beer and ice cream. I remember a lot of people actually getting some ice cream there. Um, this was actually pretty good because otherwise, I mean, don't get me wrong, people, I love Nice. Nice is probably one of the cities where I would move tomorrow. I really like it. But on the other side, arriving after a race, you probably need a bit more a family feeling or a walking distance feeling that getting into a city that is anyways Nice is one of the biggest cities in France. So 
Yeah, it's Nice is also the problem that it's quite large spread out so on a Saturday afternoon cycling half an hour to a, through a big French city on a road bike is not necessarily fun um, mm. after a long day and also all the hotels which have the capacity to accommodate an event like the Inferno race um, which are somehow within the budget range this two star three star hotels are all around the airport yeah. which is six kilometers away from the city center so you can't just go for an ice cream after um, arriving or you can't go to the beach because the airport is blocking the access to the sea and yeah. those parts so Monton was a um, I think a good choice but um, you can also see it I, I did a debrief with some of the participants last year when on on the dinner afterwards or at the breakfast on the Sunday morning I was trying to speak last year with as many participants as possible and this year again and last year I had a almost a dinner four page long list of things we could improve this year we had three points more or less that came up and we're going to talk about that yeah but it's mostly rather easy to change things for the next edition so it's not that we are um, had big problems this year and even the small details um worked out quite well we had um, improved um, stickers for the handlebars this mm -hmm. year with the root profile last year we had um, a lot of informations on them but not the root profile and a lot of people said like the only thing I actually want to see is um, what's the next climb and what's the cutoff time mm -hmm. there and um, it seems that even some of the bigger events messed up on these this one someone told me that the Tour Transalp didn't have them this year um, because the sponsor who had provided them went away somehow and um, Even these small details worked out um, surprisingly well this year. There were much fewer problems than we had anticipated. And um, so in overall, I would say um, we made good improvements from the last edition. And we hope that for next week, we will finally have left this pandemic behind us. So actually mm -hmm. people can freely come and participate without worrying about travel restrictions or about catching COVID at the wrong point. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah. I was actually also, you know, we were in, uh, together into the car and together into the Instagram account of Bicyclet Inferno. And a lot of comments that they read, I mean, comments and messages and everything, a lot of people saying, okay, probably next year is going to be my year there. Mm -hmm. Probably because actually we... Um, Okay, the organization was pretty smooth and everything like that. Of course, there are stuff that we're gonna, you're gonna improve and stuff that you're gonna set up in a proper way. But also, we made the we had the opportunity also to spread out the voice in a proper way with all the activities that you put together. So something like people that participated and uh, filmed and documented the race, the event properly this podcast. I think it was also helpful. The coverage that we had on social media, uh, plus. Also, people now are really hungry to get the best use of the bikes that they bought during pandemic times or even before, right? Mm. Yeah, at least we definitely hope so. It was still, um, as I said, we're becoming more international as a race. It's not um, mostly people from the region of Geneva or ANSI participating anymore. People came from all over Switzerland, from all over France um, and from Germany, Germany and um, were supposed to come from the UK as well but mm. I really hope that for next year we'll also have even more international participants who might take the chance to spend maybe a week afterwards in the Alps cycling or before or um, extend their stay and then it's worth flying over from um, the US maybe even for the event so that's definitely the goal to also 
um, more internationalized the participant um, um, participants for next year or the races and um, yeah, as I said, hopefully there will also be less travel restrictions coming forward. At the moment, it's still difficult for many places to travel to Europe or people are worried about getting stuck then in Europe and not being able to travel back. And um, I hope that will get better for next year as well. Yeah. Um, something that I want to ask you uh, is that, I mean, now we're talking a lot about next year and stuff. Now we're going to talk about what are going to be the improvements and stuff. But first of all, talking about the promotion, I mean, uh, for me, it was clear. I was there for the first time and everything. But if you can claim in a couple of words or in a couple of sentences why people should go to the Inferno race, like the one that was this year, instead, I mean, decided for that instead of, for example, going by themselves out and doing the same climbs. Or on the other side, instead of doing another event that could be, for example, the beautiful, the most amazing, I mean, they can also combine it, but the beautiful Maratona delle Dolomiti, or as well, there was the Tour de Station, or there's going to be super soon the, uh, how do you call it, the Alpen Breve. Why the Inferno Race? What do you think mm. of that? I think a big difference to a lot of other events is that the Inferno race is more than one day. So you don't go there in the morning to pick up your bib, put the bib on, ride, maybe have a pasta party at night and then um, leave again to your individual accommodation. But you're really staying in the in the group of all the participants for a long weekend from Thursday till yeah. um, till Sunday evening in many cases and that gives a very very different connection to each other it's I think a special part of the Inferno race um, that you have a lot more interaction with the other participants it's um, more really like a, a small race village um, what we had at the briefing this year we have our proper feed stations even if the accommodations are different we make sure that everyone always comes together for um, all the meals for the dinners for the breakfast so you have a lot more um, team spirit um, among the participants than you have at a lot, lot of the other events. And the second part is that you can, of course, do the Route de Grand Alpes or um, many amazing climbs in the French Alps um, also by yourself, but it's, an, it's nice to do them with having some kind of support, having feed stations, not having to worry about where you find food or water on the way because um, that's taken care of and also you don't have to organize yourself that your luggage gets transported you don't have to bring a friend or um, your spouse partner um, to just um, drive a car behind you because that's all taken care of and then also if something goes wrong on your bike there's uh, someone who will pick you up um, if something goes wrong in the other way you have some support around so yeah. it's also for people who like to challenge themselves to do long and difficult rides it's a good way to do them without having to worry about all the logistics of it you just yeah. have to turn up and ride yes that's true but then let me do let me play the advocates uh, devil the uh, the devil's advocate the other way around i love that movie by the way um my actually game there is sent okay okay we talked about bikepacking or traveling by yourself or with your partner and everything and this could be an option and that's the difference with Inferno Race. Then you have the second one, one day races and that's the difference mm -hmm. because this is multi-day. What's the difference then with Outroot? Why people should go better to the Inferno than the Outroot? I have an answer for that as well but I wanted mm -hmm. to listen to yours. Um, I have a good friend who works for the old route as well, so I'm not we sure can if say I that. say that. I Sean. Yeah, um, that they shouldn't do the old route and only do the Inferno instead. But no, I think talking about the difference. Um, I think it's still uh, that the Inferno is a bit on a smaller scale, so mm. it's still 
easier to meet everyone and become friends or at least good acquaintances with everyone over the race weekend than it might be for an Outroute event with several hundred participants. It's definitely a more affordable option, mm -hmm. um, even though um, Bicyclet might have to raise the prices slightly for next year, it will still be um, considerably more affordable than the Outroute and also the race itself is more challenging at least in the two day stages are um, considerably longer than what you would find at a typical old route event it's it's more for someone who maybe has done something like the um, Alpenbreve or the Tour de Station and things like okay that would be nice if there's a second stage of the same length on the next day or for someone who has done maybe a three or five day old route event and thinks okay it's nice, but if I'm riding only 110 kilometers per day, I'm done at lunchtime. What do I do with the rest of the day? Um, so to occupy these people a bit longer, um, kind of um, the Inferno would be the right thing. Um, you have, for example, the Outroot Alps event, which is only slightly longer than the Inferno race in total, um, which is also doing a lot of the same routes, but they're doing it in seven days and not in two. So it's a bit more of a more challenging ride than an old route event for example yeah from my side actually something that i can tell you is that i mean i've never been to an old route event i was just there for scouting the new route that they're going to do this year the um, out route davos mm. but there i found exactly the same spirit that i found at the out route i uh, sorry that i found at the inferno race so being there in a smaller scale there when we scouted the uh, the davos out route we were around 20 in total staying at the same hotel, eating all together, spending the full day outside, also because we had to take care of media and stuff. Mm. And there we really created a little community, talking with everybody and finding out actually what difference in people and find friendships and whatever. Mm. And that's exactly one thing that I found out as well at the Inferno Race, probably because you get a bit more family feeling. And I think that the main characteristic there is also due to the fact that for sure the Inferno Race is a race, but most of the people take part as a personal challenge more than a race against other or better a race to really challenge yourself. It's a bit yeah. more on... Uh, that's what I actually was talking with Rafael about, uh, Rafael, not the Performax, about that. It's kind of a good mix between a race and an adventure. Mm. Uh, while probably the old route is a bit more focused on the race point, yeah. right? It's also, I think it's easier to really race an old route event when you have 100 to 120 kilometer stages because you will have time to recover and it's not, it's not that long of a stage per day. Um, and um, I think we have at least two-thirds of the participants who are mostly challenging themselves, trying to finish the both stages within the time cuts and so on, even though some are doing much better than they thought before. And we haven't had a single team falling out of the time cut, although the no, finishes were mm. for other reasons. Um, but there were still a few teams who were really racing hard. Um, you might remember when you were at the... Um, call the Labonette on the second day in the morning when they had already raced around oof, 90 kilometers, mm -hmm. I think, roughly. And there were the first two teams within a few hundred meters of them. And we stopped two or three times for photos. And in each of the stops, they came in a different order. Yes, it's true. Uh, so they were really racing. There yeah. were some some teams who were really, um, really racing. Um, at this point, it might also be good to mention that 
we had three editions of the Inferno race now. The same team has won all three editions. Call so, to the challengers. Um, Call to the challengers. <laughs> there's definitely some strong riders, but there should be more strong riders next year. So we finally have a different winner. It's probably getting boring for um, Vincent mm. and Anthony. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> if they always have to get to the podium at the end. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and actually the thing, but I don't know, you tell me that, uh, talking about three, the race for one second, how did you see it? I mean, now this is the third edition. Did you see actually a bit more, I mean, a close challenge between the photos? So the fight for the win was a bit more close? Um, in the first year, it wasn't that close as last year. It was also very close. There was even a team who managed to win the second stage. Mm -hmm. um, different than the overall winners but um, on the first day they had lost a lot of time I think doing due to um, several mechanicals or flat tires so the overall wins still look the same but I think this year was the first time that we had at least three or I would say even four teams who were really um, close enough that they could have won in the end um, if it wasn't I think the first four teams were together within 30 or 40 minutes yeah. I would have to look that yeah, up but yeah, yeah. within an hour on the total timing of 16 hours or something like this so um, if it had gone slightly different or one had had a flat tire or um, a slightly bad day um, we had four teams I think this year who had a shot really at winning um, the overall one of the stages and that's getting better but still as I said um, there's a challenge um, there's a race to be won you can actually win something this year we had for example really nice Gore-Tex rain jackets from Sportful mm -hmm. uh, up for grabs um, so it's it's not that there's no prize um, but um, it's not that you can win a as Basile said um, win a car or so that you have to risk your life on the downhills but um, so if you feel like you're a strong cyclist um, that might be a challenge for you for next year and if you think you want to do something like the Tour de Station or the Ötztaler Radmarathon, but just two days after each other, then the Inferno race is also for you um, with all the support we are offering. Yeah, maybe we. I want to stress a tiny bit on that side. The cool, the cool thing, and I think that that's something that also improves a lot the uh, the spirit. And uh, in the meantime, actually, there is a biting in course, and actually there is. <laughs> Sorry, Constantine is biting his favorite croissant, and we got kind of a fight in the car because he's uh, in the team of the croissant. I'm in the Pano Chocolat team, but yeah, that's another story. Uh, something that actually really shapes the Inferno race as it is is the riding in pairs, right? Yes, I think it makes a huge difference for the atmosphere at the race if you're riding in pairs. It's also that we don't allow drafting between riders who are not riding in a pair. So mm -hmm. there's not like you might have on some other sportives like a huge peloton. And if you missed that or had to take a pee break, um, you're kind of out of the back alone for the rest of the race. Um, we are considering at the moment if we should open it also to solo riders for next year. Because um, it seems a lot of people are held back from signing up by just not finding the right partner. Mm -hmm. But I think... I wouldn't do the race alone myself, also after having it done in a pair before and the team race will definitely stay at the core of the Inferno. Um, we haven't fully decided if we do some kind of matchmaking to make pairs of solo riders or if we open it to solo riders fully, but um, the, the riding in pairs is definitely a big part of the experience and I mm. think also which really changes the atmosphere because you're getting a bit less of 
absolute egos on the race who just kind of turn up, um, want to win and then leave at the earliest occasion. But um, it makes it easier to um, find new new friends at the race as well. If you um, meet other teams, if you just mix up the teams sometimes at dinner, at uh, different yeah. stations and so on. And it, you get different people if you offer it mostly for pairs, um, I think, to some extent. And um, it's an important thing so um, for the race atmosphere and for the security on the race and for many riders also to complete the race because you're not only letting yourself down if you do not finish but also your team partner so the impulse to just quit um, at some point might be a bit dampened so the race in team pairs will definitely stay at the core of the inferno yeah i mean i remember that actually i was um, pushing out this idea actually the the mix matching as you said something like doing kind match of uh, yeah match making match mix mix matching yeah no yeah. mix matching would be even better so you uh, subscribe as a pair and then we split the pair you gonna be in pair with somebody else this would be also Are you nice doing that for the seating arrangement at your wedding yeah <laughs> i mean actually yes at the table i just made a mess i mean something like it's gonna be completely random mm. of course annoying people are gonna be sitting together everybody else i think they can sit together who cares if they're in a couple or pair or not yeah yet some if I've done some more traditional events when I was studying at a private law school in Hamburg and um, there was someone who was taking care of these um, like events for donors or for special guests and so on and we had a lot of experience with this and normally she made like the seating order for the table that you would always get assigned someone um, kind of as a table mate you hadn't met before. Oh, that makes um, sense. Which is quite interesting. I. I didn't fully grasp the concept at first, but maybe we could do something similar for the race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but for sure, if you have the possibility to write as, I mean, if maybe keeping the core of the race as a pair race, but you can subscribe by yourself and we are gonna, I mean, you are gonna match with somebody else, mm. I think it'd be a good idea. Maybe you have to just write, instead of subscribing and paying, that's it. You have mm. to, I don't know, write down a form or a questionnaire uh -huh. or whatever. Like we've done it in the past when people said like I don't have a partner um, and I had more than one person saying that that I wrote both of them an email and um, I think we had two pairs last year who came out of that who hadn't met before but were from a same region so they could at least have a tryout right before. Mm. Um, it might be slightly different or more difficult to do it for a race than just for a wedding table seat arrangements because you have cyclists of very different riding capabilities while everyone is kind of eating with the same knife and fork at the wedding. Mm. Um, so matching people who are on very different levels would be unfortunate because... Yeah, but doing it randomly for sure is not going to yeah. be an option. That's but, why probably um, writing a questionnaire would be a bit more, uh, um, more elaborate process or, mm. um, or maybe really the option to just do it alone. But Mm. I've done other events who are also offering teams and solo races like the Chasing Cancellara yep. series and there it's normally that there's way more teams signed up than solo races so I think even if we would open it to solo riders um, there would still be more teams than Given the option then yeah. just giving the option oh, yeah, no, it, mm. uh, it makes a lot but of sense but that's something we have to figure out over the next month or so before we want to open the when it's going to be open actually the next subscription um, do you have any idea? The plan is for mid to late September, but um, we have to see if we get everything kind of settled before um, or if there might be a slight delay, but 
Um, it should be well before the Christmas season when a lot of people have to make their holiday plans um, mm. when they want to take off um, time off from work for the next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. Let's talk about the Inferno of 2022 then. And we talked already slightly about the registration day and everybody came together. I think it was super good. The briefing went super good. What did you think about that? Do you think that actually starting from day one, would you do something different? I mean, in the briefing mm -hmm. and everything? I think the biggest change is probably that um, we underestimated a little bit about how hungry cyclists can be. So More food. Um, there will be more food next year. Otherwise, um, we were quite happy with the food that Ophi provided. It was really tasty and very different than what you have at a lot of other sports events. It wasn't just absolutely. like pasta with some tomato sauce, but something quite elaborate. and. Um, also, the space we had was working quite well to allow for different groups to sit together, to have a chat. And um, so the biggest change will probably be um, more food, but otherwise we were quite happy with how it went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, from my side, uh, apart from the food that actually, as you were saying, was uh, pretty good, even if I heard as well. Uh, some voices saying that probably could have been more. Uh, another point that actually I would have, I mean, just an underestimation, not putting the blame on anybody, of course. Mm -hmm. they, uh, the food from uh, Ophir was super good, and I think that actually the menu was amazing, and especially mm -hmm. seeing those uh, pineapples or bananas being flambéed on uh, this great grill. It was super nice. Mm. Um, and on the other side, actually, something that I can probably put the, a bit the light on was in the briefing. I think the briefing went really good. Uh, but as you said as well, during the briefing, probably giving too much information was would have been not a good idea. And that's why I liked actually also how you split something I like do in the mm. briefing of uh, first day only and second day whatever uh, the day after because otherwise the information would have been super good also because we have to put also inside the complication that this year as you were saying was way more international and this meant not only doing the briefing in French only but you had to take care of doing actually also the briefing in uh, in English and this yeah. was important for everybody to be understood mm. Yeah, it was the first time we actually did the briefing in two languages. Um, last year we had one team which didn't speak French very well but um, they were both experienced cyclists, so um, I kind of did a, a quick briefing for them before the official one and then um, they could follow the other one. Um, they were both speaking Spanish, so they understood most of the French things and I had given them the most important details before. So this year was the first time we had to do it in French and English. and depending on how the mix-up of the participants might be next year, we might also switch to doing it only in English. Um, but that depends on the distribution, essentially, of the nationalities and language abilities and everything. No, yeah, makes a lot of sense. But anyways, it was uh, super cool, super understandable. And I like how she actually also giving the space to everybody to express questions or also getting to know how the media team would have worked and uh, our food, how the accommodation and everything mm -hmm. like that. And also letting know everybody what was the support around during the race. Yeah. Also because in the day number one, they needed some support, don't they? Mm. Yeah, also maybe a last point for the briefing. We had yeah. for the first time bags with the bib numbers already printed on it, which also made it um, much easier to check in because your jersey in your size was already in the back, which had your start number. You could keep the back throughout the whole weekend, um, so you would never... Um, have to look for your bag it was always clear um, the number I have on my bike and mm -hmm. on everything is also on my bag and um, it's easy to find it was also a change to the last year so 
Um, that's maybe the last point. And um, no, I have the last point for the briefing, and it's talking about exactly all the gears and setup and everything for the race before to start. The number holders. I mean, that's something pretty smart. Usually you get, of course, I mean, zip ties and stuff. For me, they're not super good. They're scratching my frame. Uh, it's not easy to set up, I mean, and everything. Mm. It's all the time a huge headache for me. That's why there. this is one of the reasons why I never put my number on most of the time. For sure, I don't put the transponder because I have the transponder curse. I'm going to talk to you about that probably later in front of another coffee. But also the number thing and everybody tells you, ah, but you're not going to get your photos. I, I don't care. I don't want to put the zip tie on for me. It's too much. But the all the number holder that you put there that's super nice mm. yeah that was actually something we already did last year for the first time because we had the feedback from the first year the same that it was super difficult to attach these numbers properly with uh, with zip ties so um, we organized these number holders for last year um, and used them again this year it's it's not that we're throwing them away afterwards um, of course they're a bit too pricey for that but um, that works quite well and also um, makes it look considerably better than if you have zip ties all over the bikes. For the photos, they're not so important for us because we don't have this photo service like the larger events. Every participant gets all the access to all the photos afterwards. Just to have to finish editing and sorting them, I have two and a half thousand from the weekend. Mm. But um, it's important for um, knowing whose bike is whose when we are mm -hmm. looking at it from the outside of the course um, to see which team is where um, if we see them somewhere and they're struggling then we can inform the other organizers um, that the team number 11 has an issue and we don't have to ask to stop and ask them for their name first so the numbers are an important bit for us um, to have them on the bike um, and I think these number holders are a good solution. Um, some of the pro teams have it even integrated in the frames, but that would go a bit too far. But like yeah, this, um, you can attach them to any bike without breaking or scratching anything on there. The yeah. only trouble were for very short riders because they sometimes don't have enough exposed seat posts if they already put on their repair kit in her back. But um, is you can also put them on one of the seat stays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. We said day number one was kind of a bit of a trouble around. Tell me more about that. What was happening there? Even if everybody already listened to that during the episode, mm -hmm. the, the, well, the episode before, just maybe give us a bit of content and comments there. Yeah, after probably the hottest summer ever in France, um, we had actually the first rain in six or seven weeks in the Alps, exactly on the afternoon or from lunchtime of the first stage. So. At the Galibier especially, it was very windy. I think we had six or seven degrees, yeah, which yeah, felt yeah. much colder because of the rain and the um, and the wind. And it also makes the roads very slippery because it hadn't rained in a long time before. So um, all the dust and pollen and everything that had settled on the roads was kind of mixed with water and made it quite slippery. And I call it the uh, soap effect. Yeah, exactly the soap effect. I think the French have some an expression like summer ice or so, or yeah. you could translate it to oh, makes sense. <laughs> summer Hello. ice. Um, so um, a lot of the teams were struggling a little bit with the weather. Luckily, um, most were well equipped. There was just uh, one team which was so cooled out and cooled down. We had had also a COVID infection just um, 10 days previous to the start of the race. So they unfortunately had to call it quits on the Galibier. And um, 
that, that made the race um, very different to the last years where our main concern was how we can cool the riders down, mm -hmm. um, uh, often even setting up additional water stations on some of the longer climbs because it was in, in the range of 30, 35, 40 degrees, um, at least in the valleys. And um, yeah, this year it was much colder, um, much windier, uh, rain, and that made, um, made it quite a challenging first stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the other side, I mean, uh, it was for sure challenging. It was for sure complicated. But at the end, actually, when uh, we were waiting for everybody on Col d'Isoire, and then, anyways, waiting for everybody at the end, I remember actually I saw three or four pairs arriving to Col d'Isoire. Everybody of them were for sure cold, but actually yeah, the climb helped up, helped warming them up a bit more. But everybody arrived with a huge smile. Yeah, it's also. I personally find it often a nice feeling if you kind of don't have an easy ride but battle a little bit with the conditions um, mm. and have to overcome some adverse weather conditions and um, most of the riders, even some who were in the middle thinking they might have to quit on the stage, managed to get to the finish. I was probably most surprised by Thomas, um, the German um, <coughs> rider who was riding in a pair with um, Nathalie Bayon, and French ultra cyclist. Um, I wasn't surprised that Natalie made it to the finish. She has done a lot of really difficult races, but Thomas was already very exhausted and not feeling well at all on the first climb on the Madeleine. He arrived on the Galibier completely blue in his face from the cold and um, then grabbed a trash bag from the car, um, from the support van, because he wasn't ready to give up and made a makeshift additional west against the cold from a trash bag. and. Um, actually managed to finish the stage even though he was still looking very blue on the Col from the cold but um, he had really a battle on the first day but overcame all these um, adverse circumstances and was really happy to finish in the end so um, I think it, it made for more challenging conditions but um, luckily most of the riders uh, really kept, kept well with those conditions um, I was probably one of the coldest ones because I was always standing around with the camera and I only stupidly was wearing shorts. Um. <laughs> we were in the same team and at a certain yeah. point I was not even wearing any, I don't know, for sure I didn't have the rain jackets because yeah. I left it in the bag and I was there with my, uh, how is it called, down jackets, the puffy and anyways this when it gets rains a couple of drops then it becomes completely wet and then it's even colder than yeah. not having it. Yeah, I should have known better from some other events that I should maybe bring really a winter jacket if you're standing around, but I, the summer was so hot before yeah, that sure. I couldn't really imagine being cold, so I only had a rain jacket as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that was also maybe even more difficult um, for some teams that was the huge contrast. We had um, well above 30 degrees for at least two weeks before in Geneva, in Annecy, in all the Alps Zurich regions. Well. Yeah. And I had been cycling, for example, in some of the True. calls just a week earlier and it was sweltering hot and then um, having um, suddenly 25 or 30 degrees less than what you're kind of used to now after um, hmm. a it's long a beautiful. I don't know if it's a wasp or whatever. It's super beautiful. Sorry. Yeah, it's an interesting insect. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure. I'm not an expert on that. Yeah. I'm My parents take a photo. would probably know. Uh, I'm gonna take a photo. You're gonna send it to your parents. Yeah. 
Maybe you should put it on the Instagram and um, ask for it. <laughs> yeah. If anyone knows, they will get a broom wagon sticker. Why not? Why not? I would love to. Yeah. But yeah, no, we were talking about the condition mm. that we're pretty pretty hot just already one week before and then... Uh, yeah, or for weeks before. It weeks wasn't before. just a one week and then um, it changed suddenly and then it suddenly changed again for... Um, the day after the, was super Saturday. hot. Yeah. So it was really... I think every rider had everything from around five degrees mm. till 40 degrees on the two days of the race. Yeah. No, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day one, everybody was anyways happy and ready to start again, for sure. The, that amazing downhill that they did from Col d'Isoire until the, I don't know, what's yeah. the name of the, the town? Guillestre. Guillestre, exactly. Yeah. And arriving there, because usually remember that the editions before you were actually sleeping in the middle of the valley and then making the last part of the downhill only the day after. This year was really arriving directly there and making through the full valley with this amazing, gorgeous, gorgeous that were there. I think it was really a good balm for their soul because especially for people that arrived last at the Col d'Isoire, the weather was already looking better. There was the sun going down, a amazing and amazing really sundown. And mm. then you say, okay, that's super nice. And this actually really gave a lot of better spirits to people, even to people that didn't finish the, um, uh, the stage that day. Mm. Yes, I said we had unfortunately um, three teams which didn't finish on the first day. Um, one, the um, German team, which was too cooled out on the Galibier. Um, one of the participants who had already done the race in 2020 was um, had a COVID infection just a week before and was not feeling good at all after the um, first big climb on the first day and then uh, one team where um, one rider had a previous knee injury which um, bothered her so much that she didn't manage to finish the the stage yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but still anyways then uh, sleeping eat, eating sleeping well Wait. first eating then sleeping exactly showering eating dinner eating the ice cream briefing going to sleep for everybody apart from us that we were actually there editing our photos and send out some mm. stuff on social media and prepare everything for the content that we prepare but anyways we're talking about the riders sleeping waking up the next morning and then stage number two was in and actually there the goal was awesome i mean arriving to the sea and this was probably the thing that let also people and many of the people that were not able to finish the stage the day before to start anyways and uh, go on the first climb called the var right yeah You essentially started really directly from the hotel in the first climb of the day. That's nice. Um, so, um, not much time to get too cold in the morning. Um, then most of the riders had sunrise around the time they got to the top of the Col de Var, which made for really nice views. And then um, the weather conditions were just amazing for cycling on a Saturday on the Cime de la Bonnette. The temperature was perfect on the top. Um, there was not too much wind this year. Um, you had sun all day and even though uh, towards the end at the Col Saint-Martin and the Col de Turigny it was getting warm. It wasn't unbearably warm. So no. um, the, the conditions on the second day this year were um, just perfect for cycling and um, We also saw a lot more people finish on the second day than on the first day. Also, Michael, for example, who was the one who had to give up on the Madeleine already on the first stage, managed to 
um, get back on the bike and had a really good day and actually made quite a good time with his teammate on the second stage and um, there was um, I think only Majuri who um, with the knee injury who didn't finish on the second day either she tried again but um, on the Col de Var was already in too much pain to yeah. continue riding so she spent the day um, with Joe and Bernard in the broom wagon but still had a had a nice day I think um, yeah, from absolutely. the feedback I got from her yeah so I mean I can tell you that usually spending your day in the broom wagon is always nice yeah usually and that's why actually this podcast is called the broom wagon because I had always good time into the broom wagons yeah. so, especially yeah. with Bernard and absolutely. with Joe who are two very nice and kind guys um, although Joe will probably not be driving one of the bands next year after he saw the race this year he's now on the outlook for a partner um, mm. so he can ride it next year himself he proposed me as well Mm. But they said, oh, come on, I cannot really, really promise you anything. I don't know how my cycling is going to be next year. So, yeah. But he was already proposing me to do it together. Mm. I mean, also from my side, I can tell you that after... Let's talk about that quickly. After the uh, highlights of day number two, I mean, also day number one, apart from the bad weather, called the La Madeleine looked amazing. It's like the climb that I will always want to do it. And then Caribbean is also super nice. The Isoar, especially the way down, was super beautiful. The way up, I didn't see it so much mm -hmm. because we were completely covered in clouds. So that's something that I still need to discover, but especially number two. And for me, the highlights were the climb up to, uh, climb up to Sim de la Bonnette, beautiful this lunar landscape so nice and arriving on top and checking on the landscape there amazing and the downhill from Turini until Manton called the Turini until Manton that looked dream a dream nothing less than that mm. yeah we, there's also there's several options to do the downhill from the called the Turini and I think it's safe to say that we do by far the most uh, land, uh, scenic one um, yeah especially the first part of the real downhill um, with all these switchbacks on the mountainside where you have the Mediterranean Sea already in the background is um, one of my favorite pieces of road in the Alps. Um, it doesn't get much better than that. Um, and especially if you didn't have good weather conditions and the timing stops on the top of the Turini so you can really enjoy this downhill as well. Um, stop, um, take the views and take photos and um, maybe even have an ice cream on the way so it's really a, a stunning piece of road and also the climb up to the Turini is um, quite nice because it's on the bottom part still in the forest so you have shade from time to time and even on the top you're not 100% exposed in the sun mm. so it's bearable even if it's warm. Yeah, apart from the little adventure that uh, Constantine and I were participating at and uh, I mean we were uh, in, I think, two or three k's from the seam, really, to the top of the uh, Col de Turini. And I was going down with my analog camera to take a couple of photos. And then I heard a huge noise. And then I said, oh, what's going on? I kept on going. Actually, we were still super close. I said, Constantine, what is it? And, of course, Constantine told me, Stefano, hopefully it's not our car that we parked a couple of switchbacks down that fell into the ditch. And I said okay let me go and check anyways i had to go down to take some photos and in the way i actually found out that probably because of the rain of the day before but for sure because of uh, the old dry season that really completely damages all the trees that are around one trunk of tree i mean probably was a dead tree are really landed 
on the roads. Nobody was around, just a couple of cars that blocked the traffic and called the, uh, the emergency there to take out the, the trunk from the road. But this was something nice for sure. This opened my eyes on the climate change and everything because these are the things that are going to happen more often. Dry seasons, huge rains, dying of trees because of too hot weather and everything. And then that's what happens. It's yeah. pretty risky. I think the second day was more adventurous probably for us, at least in the media car, than the first day. On the Cime de la Bonnette, we also got a bit in trouble with the police because we True. didn't know that we needed a, a permit to do podcasting or photos up there. And then on the way down, we just barely managed to get past the religious procession. Um, we haven't fully found out what it is, but... Um, There were two bishops. There were two bishops and several uh, monks from the Maltese order in their whole outfit and huge number of people who had come up to 2,700 meters to celebrate some kind of religious service. Um, some of the later teams also got stuck behind there and had to wait. And the broom um, wagon as well. And the broom wagon as well, so we had to account for that and the timing. But um, yeah, there were some larger or smaller um, roadblocks you could say we also got lucky that it was possible to drive around this broken tree otherwise we might have been stuck on the apple of the Turini much longer mm -hmm. so yeah there were some some things not exactly going our way on the second day it was I mean but on the other side I think that I, the things that I saw actually we floated around this little I would not say problems, but well, let's say challenges pretty easily and with a super good mood. So, I mean, we made it. We made it happen. Um, last couple of words that I want to say on the event itself, then I want to ask you a couple of questions about a bit more the media side in the future. Uh, is And then we arrive at Monton. Most of the people just arrived straight, got a beer and got a nice dip into the ocean, sorry, the Mediterranean waters. And then there was actually, yes, something like the celebrations. We actually gave a prize to the winner, uh, the winners, the overall winners, the mixed pair winners and the women's pair. And then as well, prize for the most combative and then prize from the, the broom wagon prize that was actually, that actually went to the broom wagon. And, and then something like before a nice dinner together and after that the news and really nice chitty chatting with everybody in front of a beer mm. that's and something that cream. probably I would, an ice cream that's probably something that I would never touch it was super amazing straight after the arrival yeah mm. yeah we as you said we gave um, two special prizes this year for the first time the Prix uh, Combatif went to Mikhail. Um, we had said that he had really was really struggling on the first day and made an amazing comeback on the second day um, with a really um, great ride. So we decided that it would warrant a, a special prize. And then Bernard Basil's father, who has been driving the broom wagon um, for all the editions now, um, was also awarded a special prize for race support because um, he is always there for the riders in the back he's always following closely the gruppetto has warm words for them has some additional snacks and water in his um, car and is always trying to convince everyone to give their best to yeah. finish and not to give up so um, I think a lot of participants who made it to the finish did it mostly because of Bernard's support so we thought that would warrant finally also a proper acknowledgement with the Broomwagon prize yes that's amazing and I mean mm. Broomwagon so that's amazing uh, the last thing that I want to talk about also during the race the one before was not the last one this is the last one uh, there was 
a pair, a team, or in general one rider, or in particular one rider, that really, I don't know, got your attention or in terms of really for I don't know the spirit for the fun for I know it's not good to talk about one only person but for sure there is one person or one pair that as a synthesis summarize really the spirit of the Inferno race mm -hmm. maybe we should talk about Severin and Nico then we um, should. they're the I was thinking um, about the second well. time in a row in a row the winner of the mixed category but um Severin is a very, very strong cyclist, if I'm not mistaken. She's the reigning French master champion on the road. And um, she has also won in the past um, things like the um, Grand Fondo Mont Ventoux or so on. And Nico is um, also a strong cyclist, but he's probably double the size in all dimensions of a Severin um, um, his partner and he's always struggling in the mountains he's a tall um, guy he's probably a meter 90 tall or so yeah. and um, but he never loses um, hope he's always uh, soldiering on even if he's got a few switchbacks behind Severin and um, he, every time he comes to a feed station he's always smiling he always seems happy and they two also have a really nice chemistry together yeah. and um, so it's always um, a pleasure to see them. They're also the couple who put us in touch with Sportful for a nice jersey. So a big thank you to them and to Sportful again for that. And um, it's always nice to see them. And otherwise, I was, as I said before, I was really surprised, but also happy to see Thomas arrive at the final um, checkpoint on the first day um, after I had seen him struggling so much on the day before. And um, also um, seeing on the second day on the um, Tourigny how close the first two or three teams were together was also a nice experience but if there's one team I always think about when um, when I think about why the Inferno race is most important as a team race and who never loses their spirit it's probably Severin and Nico yes I want to say also a couple of words about Severin and Nico I remember at Sim de la Bonnet they were quite a tiny bit more than just a few switchbacks apart but all the time that we were coming close to to Nico he had this huge smile in his face and saying that's a dream that's amazing that's why actually we published mm. a reel that was talking about that's paradise I had exactly him in mind all the time being happy of being there maybe not being as fast as the first one I mean it's not slow at all I mean Nico no, is really yeah. strong cyclist it's, but still be there yeah. with a smile in his face and then arriving on top and they were always there ready to I don't know uh, hugging or a cuddle or whatever and having a huge smile for having a photo for each I mean climb and for each peak that they reached and that's amazing Another pair that probably I would mention is uh, something that a concept that we talked a bit about, and I'm talking about Rafael and uh, Majorin, the Brunwagon team. Of course, I need to talk about them because this was somebody that we put together. I mean, they didn't know each other, and uh, I mean, it was supposed to be my spot that actually was taken by Rafael uh, because, as I was saying, I'm not in shape this year to do this kind of race, even if I everybody told me, and I can say the same, is for sure a race that is not impossible, it's doable. You just need to be sure that you can stay. 10 hours on a bike every day if not a bit less or a bit more uh, but apart from that it's completely doable but yeah uh, anyways Rafael took my place and then there was actually the second part was a giveaway 
from the Instagram and saw Marjorie one. And everybody of them was telling me, ah, but I don't know if it goes good or stuff. But I think that actually we found out, they found out a good chemistry together, a lot of chitty chatting, a lot of talking, I got a, no, a lot of knowing better getting better to know each other at the beginning so in day number zero then on day one during riding day number two and also we were together for dinner where everybody at the same table and actually i found out that they were there also uh, drinking a beer or drinking a glass of wine together the spirit was really good so that's also to say that even if you are matching completely randomly another person this can come out with a perfect partner for this kind mm. of event and maybe you should also add that they also had a language barrier true, true. Is mostly french-speaking ruffle doesn't speak much French so yeah. they had to really um, make do with all kind of um, mixed languages and sometimes just really writing it down or showing it in with hands and feet but they still got along quite well and although Majorie had um, some knee issues and didn't manage to finish I think um, they were both quite happy with how the race went and I wouldn't be surprised to see them back um, having another drink at another cycling event at some point in the Absolutely. future. Absolutely. I remember that actually they uh, uh, they told I mean they told each other something like okay what are we going to do next so I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that pretty soon they're going to do another event maybe not exactly this event or maybe not exactly an event like this but for sure something together for them in a pair is going to happen. I think that I'm going to push them to do kind of an ultra endurance event together but let's see. Mm. Yeah, Majorie has done already some ultra endurance rides like the yeah. race across France or so. Um, I think I'm getting too far away from no the problems, microphone. No problems, no problems. Also because now there is a bit of noise and if I mm. adjust the level of these uh, yeah. words, it's coming out and more the honking than your, uh, than your words. Yeah, I'm not even sure where it's coming from, the noise. I don't it know. It be something behind my shoulder, no? No, I thought it was behind my shoulders. Mm. Good question. <laughs> Anyways... Yeah. No, mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that actually they came out. I mean, it was a good match. So yeah. I'm super, super happy for that. And maybe then we should give a last mention to our only fully female team, um, Pauline True. and Elizabeth, who also did the race for the second time as a pair. And um, as they were the only female ones, also won, won in both times. So I think it's also time for having more women cyclists at the Inferno, even though we already had six or seven this year, which I'm quite happy about. Yeah. Um, but there's also something to be won in the women's category and they're um, friends who normally meet only or almost only for the Inferno race. Um, Elizabeth is normally living in La Réunion and Pauline in Annecy. So they come together once a year, ride the Inferno race, maybe meet a second time at some other point in the year. But um, it's, for them it's an occasion also to catch up with an old friend and I think it's a nice thing to do that at the Inferno race. No, that's true, that's true. No, but anyway, as I was saying, it's super nice and really, yes, I would call out also for more uh, women's pair to take part to the event because anyways, we saw at least two pairs where the women's side, so the female side of the pair was way stronger than the men's side, so... I think we had no pair where the female side wasn't the stronger part. Exactly. Um, Natalie was definitely stronger than Thomas Severin, than Nico. Um, if they had been healthy, Katja is also a stronger rider than Lars, I think, in most cases. Yeah. Um, although that might be the most closely matched yeah. um, pair. Um, so it's really, yeah, I think it's really um, a race where we have shown already that that's, there's a, long of, a lot of strong female cyclists around. Also, when I was um, sending a list of the most well-known or the... Um, 
yeah, the most well-known participants essentially to a friend who is a journalist for La Dauphine um, who wrote an article about the race. I, at some point I noticed that I had only mentioned um, female riders. Yeah. I was not unhappy about that. He also asked Absolutely. if we had uh, also some like male headline rider, but no, essentially the most well-known ones, the strongest ones on the race were all women and I think that's a good development for cycling in general. I love it, yeah, yeah, absolutely, especially after the development this year, I would really, really love to see more women cycling a bit more, not only in the media, but also in our amateur event, and that's mm. really great. I want to ask you one question about the media, because you were for sure part of the organization, but you were also put in the car with your awesome cameras better, with your camera new second-hand camera and your awesome skills. How did you find it? I mean, this was probably the first time that you were fully into the media side, right? How um, did you find the event? Like, I've done photos at sports event before, but there was normally not part of the organization team, yeah. um, except for, like, one university sports events, and um, I kind of came very last minute to this job when my partner was out sick for the race, and um, because we didn't have as much sign-ups this year as um, we had hoped for to save some budget, I said, okay, then I do the photos, in, even though Arthur, um, who was the photographer in the last years, had always done an amazing job and it was difficult to get in his footsteps. Um, he's a really great action sports photographer. Um, I was mostly happy with how it turned out. I just found it a bit sad for some of the teams that I didn't have as many photos of them as from others because the race is stretching out quite a bit. Um, at the end you have normally, at the end of a 200 kilometer stage, you have easily five hours before yeah. between the first and the last team and it's not possible if you're the only one to be everywhere in the race. So that's if I have a regret and it's probably that I don't have as many photos of some of the teams than I have of the others I also don't have that many of the first team because they were so fast that we had a hard time catching up with of them of course but um, otherwise I think it went quite okay this year um, there sh seemed to be most people quite happy with the photos um, of course that and um, I got we got quite lucky also on the first day with the weather conditions, um, even though it might make for difficult racing, um, having a dramatic sky and something happening with the weather is making for um, nice photos as well. So it's not all just blue sky and um, nice weather, but having some clouds in the photos, some rain, um, some reflections on the roads and so on makes for nice photos. But it was... Um, it were long days for us because we normally didn't go to bed before 1 a.m. Mm. or 2 a.m. on the first day because after the riders had kind of finished their dinner and so on, we still had to prepare something for Instagram. I still, after the stages, had to go through my photos to have something uh, we could show them at the briefing. So I normally was late for dinner and then hadn't even showered yet. And yeah. um, we were getting up at the same time, so it was a tough weekend. I slept 16 hours on the Monday after, but in general I'm quite happy with how it turned out and spending a whole weekend in the car with Stefano was also a nice thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, it was the uh, same thing. I mean, likewise with me, it was nice because you had actually somebody who you can talk with and actually spend these hours all the time in an entertained way. There were never times actually in the car where uh, nobody was speaking or I was sleeping. You could not sleep because you were driving. Uh, not like that. We were all the mm -hmm. time engaged. Maybe the last, oh, from time to time I would ask Constantine, please stop for a coffee because I'm dying. But apart from that, it was always good conversation about yeah. everything, about cycling, about life, about photography, about 
media about podcasting about cycling in general it was very nice mm. yeah the only one who was really dying i think is unfortunately the car we had um yeah but mm, that has lived a long life already i think it had 360,000 kilometers or something like this so it's time um, for retirement yeah it it probably deserves retirement at some point but um with that exception it went quite well yeah we also managed not to run out of fuel completely <laughs> mm. that's nice i mean yeah. could even though happening. we were close but <laughs> yeah yeah no but it was great from my side on the media side mm. it was super cool for me because actually we split tasks pretty good together actually you were focusing a lot on the on the photography and on finding the spots and whatever and as usual i was actually trying to uh, i mean always i mean that's kind of my characteristic adapting for what is a bit i mean my job is a bit less let's say picky uh, also because usually for me interviewing the first one is always impossible because they ride and they want to win so it's impossible but I always we always found the time to stop for good shots or stop mm. for good videos and for good snaps that went into the social media and then I had as well time to build up the storyline into the social media as well as in the podcast part and yeah. also all the information that I got through the conversation that I got with Constantine in the car we talked a lot about the different climbs and the history the amazing story of Col du Telegraph or the great story of the first uh, call that is called the Vent no, called it that time. Uh, called it called it Tami. Yeah, called it yeah. was the first on the second. Uh, the day. second day, yes, exactly. Called it Tami with uh, the Abby that makes amazing cheese. All these little stories came out mm. from a research that Constantine made the year before, and we talked about that. So, I mean, I think that actually the media team was really, really. Yes, I would say well and consistently made and actually we found out our chemistry pretty good, and I think that it came out really good with all the stories mm. that it came out with. Yeah, I think um, it also was a bit of an advantage that I had done the race before mm. and I had done uh, most of the climbs at some other point as well already from a car perspective, so I knew a bit where to go for the photos most of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, when we're talking about dying and coffee, I think we should take a mini break and order another coffee for the two of us. We can do it or otherwise yeah. we can go through the last questions if you want. Yeah, we can also do that if we have Because otherwise time. he's going to get yeah. busy and uh, lunch yeah. is going to arrive. We are not going to actually be able to talk super confidently. Yeah. And it's the last question that I want to ask you. Okay. So what would you keep for next year? Absolutely. It will never change. And we actually, you will actually can fight for keeping it in the race for next year. And what would you improve? Mm maybe improvement is easier we had a different accommodation in ANSI this year because the one we had used in the last years was not available and I think that didn't work out so well for most so um, definitely find a different place to stay in ANSI um, and tell people that they need to bring towels that was a bit of a mishap on our side because mm -hmm. we were in an accommodation in ANSI which didn't have towels um, so um, most likely had brought one anyways to go swimming in uh, afterwards but um, that's definitely to improve and I think I would really try to keep Guillestre and Monton that turned out much better than what we had the years before especially Monton as a Finnish town is um, just perfect for this kind of format because you're never far away from the beach you're never far away from an ice cream place and it's small enough that you don't have to do a lot of planning to if you want to go out for a beer it's kind of like yeah we go for a bar and then we tell where we are because they're anyways all a few hundred meters from each oh, other so I think I would definitely keep those and I also really would try to keep the spirit of a team race 
um, alive as much as possible and um, find um, a better accommodation with working showers. Um, sorry for that, for those who were affected by that in Ansi. Yeah, and Ansi, actually, <laughs> I want to remember that we just parked our bicycles into the shower room. Yeah, also so. because the shower didn't really work that well. Yeah, so it's okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. nobody got suffered. But, but. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's definitely better solutions in Ansi. Um, but also that's maybe a thing sign up um, as soon as you know that you want to participate don't wait till the last minute because if you wait till the last minute we might have trouble finding proper accommodations then for a lot more people than expected in June yeah makes mm. sense and if I can tell you from my side I would probably say that would change only one thing mm. and I don't want to be harsh <laughs> on that but our car Oh, that's something that we should yeah, change. Um, it was okay, but we but can change it. Hopefully, we are both riding our bikes next year. And that's the question that I want to deal exactly. with. <laughs> that's what I wanted to ask you. What about next year? I mean, are you thinking still of being part of the organization? Maybe for sure, but of the media team, or would you prefer to ride it this time? Um, I'm probably. Um, I haven't had the time to talk about it a lot with Basil. Essentially, I will probably do stop doing the so just the social media as I'm doing now for um, bicycle because I'm not getting a scholarship for the next academic year so I have to find a proper part-time job that could be with bicycle or it could be also somewhere else so I'm not sure if I will do all the social media all through next year I probably um, help with um, like recontacting the partners we had this year and yeah. maybe a few additional ones over the summer and try to put everything together till October or maybe till Christmas but I'm not sure if I'm then officially still at a bicyclet and I had signed up last year and paid for my registration and um, which was then pushed to this year where my partner was sick and we are both hoping we met last night for dinner and pizza in Zurich um, <coughs> that we finally can ride the race together next year in summer um, and that nothing else happens which prevents us from that so I would prefer to be on the bike again next year and leave the camera and media work to someone else but um, who knows what happens Absolutely. there's so many things changing all the time at the moment but that would be definitely my preference to finally write again after 2020 and I still have to sign up from last year which will be carried forward to next year so with a bit of luck we are there and I think um, we even if um, even if we might be in the media car again we don't have to worry about it being the same car again I don't think it will survive um, unfortunately that long yeah okay <laughs> okay not the same car for sure not. yeah cool then thanks a lot Constantine. I don't know if you want to add anything else or um, I think maybe um, if people could let us know in the comments how they feel about the solo option especially if they would be up for some kind of matchmaking program if they were thinking about doing the race but don't have a partner um, um, do you prefer riding it alone then or do you prefer that we match you with a partner somehow um, I don't know if we have to do a whole casting show or um, how we would do this but that might be a thing that would be really interesting for us to know um, how people feel about this if they want to just go it alone or if it's rather um, yeah um, I would do the race I don't have a partner but um, it's better if um, there's somehow a way for me to find a partner then for the race that's very amazing yes I would say everybody just uh, write mm. us you can write to Calamaro CC or Broomway Gonna Podcast on Instagram otherwise mm. Bicicleta Inferno 
on the Instagram side, also for the bicyclette race. Then there's going to be a post about <laughs> this episode in the social media, right there in the comments. Mm. In the comments of Spreaker, you can find the way. I mean, you know where to find us, right? But let us know. I think that's a great idea, by the way. Yeah. And then maybe as a very last thing, um, if I may do a little bit of advertisement, the race this year would have been very different if we didn't have the support from our partners. So a big thank you to Sportful, to Ophir for the nice dinner, for to Greenwheel Coffee in Geneva who provided us with really nice um, Colombian iced tea. Yeah, I would you, love to try also to test their coffee yeah. because I don't drink tea, unfortunately, yeah. but that's going to happen for sure. Yeah, and... Um, who else did we have? We had Elif District from um, from Bern, a new cycling glassing brand, yeah. and Neat Cleats. And I really, really hope I didn't forget anyone. But that was five, no. Uh, what about the, the providers of the of the musettes? Um, um, well, they were not really a partner, but um, Velopark did really nice musettes, and on yeah. a very short notice, also managed to print them with the numbers. That's made. Um, That's amazing. Maybe they can become a partner in the next year, but um, that was. Um, great to work with them. I think we contacted them two weeks before the race and they still managed to get everything in place. So that worked out well as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I truly believe now if we want to close up with the, with the showcase of the advertising, I truly believe that an event like this, like the Bicyclet Inferno race, it's really good to show actually what brands are capable of and actually to show to really passionate <coughs> people good products and especially mm. for something like perspective products that are really good of course we're talking also about Ophir they're pretty well established or Sportful even more but also to show some niche mm. things that will develop really good in the future think basically like Inferno it's really something mm. that you can taste uh, sorry to you can test your products in and also on the other side really uh, get a good feedback and a good development for the future mm. yes it's really a special event but everyone who comes there are really passionate cyclists so it's a good place to meet as a passionate cyclist if it's for yourself or for your brand yeah absolutely well thanks a lot Constantine. and anyways we're going to talk mm -hmm. soon probably with another episode about the inferno for 2023 or for a ride maybe we should ride together another time mm -hmm. i think we've done only one ride one no, ride together one ride a together. gravel bike yeah yeah and you were recovery from your injury at your life yeah. so i mean that's that's why i, ca I caught up with you otherwise it would have been not so easy yeah we'll see yeah. We should definitely also have a road bike ride and mm. um, at some point, maybe even before the Inferno, manage to ride the Col de la Madeleine, which is a really nice ride and you can do nice r uh, loops around yeah. there as well, adding some other smaller or bigger climbs and come back to Albeville, for example. No, that's what I'm imagining yeah. also because actually I was uh, uh, hired for this task of being the podcast and actually being in the media car mm. uh, for the Bicyclet Inferno with the promise, no worries, Stefano, you're going to do some climbs. I brought my bicycle into the van and I put it back straight away without riding one meter. But mm. I mean, I was happy anyways. I would have been happier if I would have ridden at least one of those. But on the other side, I was super happy because, I mean, the race was so mm. cool and so engaging that I didn't miss so much at a certain point riding the bike. Yeah, the participants were just too strong this year. We, we didn't manage to get enough headspace that we could actually think Absolutely. about taking our bikes out. Yeah, I, I mean, Constantine did the same. He mm. brought his bike and as, as the same condition that he brought it in, it was brought out. Mm. Not one meters, but it's okay. I mean, we're gonna catch up next year while you're, while, while riding them in a proper way for, during the event. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thanks a lot, Constantine. Thank you again, Stefano. Ciao. 
I think I need to do a bit more of these episodes directly from uh, outside location, outdoor locations. It was really nice sitting on this awesome cafe. Really recommend everybody to go to the Kraftwerk Zurich if you're around. It's a, a lovely working space as well as a lovely cafe. And we got also lunch there. It was super lovely and vegan. Really, really recommend to do that. And it's super nice actually to do episodes directly live checking the eyes of a person directly in front of you and talking about stuff and i really loved actually commenting the episode with constantine it was super easy going and seems like it was exactly the same conversation that we were having during our time in the media car so into the car while he was driving and it was trying i was trying not to fall asleep thanks a lot constantine to making this happen thanks a lot to you for listening to this episode and remember i mean we said already uh, the call to action there but i can repeat it here Put everywhere you want, so Calamaro CC or Broomwagon Podcast on the Instagram or Bicyclette Inferno without the I, so Bicyclette, B-C-Y, Clet underscore Inferno. And there, let us know if you think that a solo category can be good or you prefer actually to be matched with somebody else completely randomly. I mean, not completely randomly, but you know what I mean. Write a comment everywhere you think you can do it, and this is going to be super perfect. Another thing that I want to say is that it was super great pleasure to work with the Inferno race to take out all the content that we could and I hope also that you enjoyed content like this. And let me know as well if you liked it or not. Thanks a lot as well, Komoot, for supporting this podcast and I'm really, really happy to have Komoot on my side for all my podcast experiences. That's super great and that's super lovely. And remember, if you want to unlock your extra free region during the registration, go on komoot.com slash g, like Greenland, and put the code BROOM. Then, if you want to keep this podcast independent as it is, you can go down below and on the coffee link, you can pay me a coffee. And this is super appreciated. As appreciated as, as well, subscribe, rate, comment, do whatever you want on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and any other platform where you're listening to this podcast from. What else? Buy Kigis. Remember to support also the COVID jar that is down below. And we are going to offer some uh, uh, support to this awesome Berlin NGO that is supporting and teaching women refugees how, on how to ride a bike as a cultural thing, but also as a practical thing. I think that I said everything. I hope you enjoyed actually uh, this couple of episodes. They were a bit messy. My life is a bit into a washing machine in this moment, but also I want to tell you thanks for that. And as I said also at the beginning, I'm going to be missing this space for a few weeks because of the wedding and because of some projects that you are going to see and know pretty soon. In the meantime, listen to all the episode, and if you want, Calamaro CC is the best way there on the Instagram. Send me your congratulations because finally Marcia and I we are gonna get married next week with all the tasks that I'm still procrastinating in the pipeline. People, thanks a lot. I will talk to you soon, and uh, you will not get there on a road bike. I will go also at my wedding on a gravel bike, just for you to know. Ciao.